Welcome to Unstructured Unlocked, a podcast where listeners discover how enterprise data and automation leaders are solving their most complex unstructured data challenges. I'm your host, Chris Wells. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Unstructured Unlocked. I'm your host, Chris Wells, VP of R&D at Indico Data. And I'm really excited to be joined today by Munish Arora, Associate Director of Analytics and Robotic Process Automation at Sun Life. Munish, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Chris. I hope to learn something from you and also to contribute here. Thanks so much. Yeah, same. I hope to learn something from you too. Um, if you could, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career journey, how you ended up in analytics and RPA, and then a little bit about uh, what you're working on these days. Yeah, so starting with the current organization, you know, as you mentioned, I'm working with Sun Life. Uh, so I work on analytics and automation projects. Uh, prior to that, I worked in mainly consulting kind of organizations where I worked on uh, analytics, uh, you know, that includes, say, insights, uh, data engineering, or, uh, uh, you know, predictive modeling. And uh, prior to that, if I go back, you know, I started my career as a developer, um, you know, um, got my hands dirty with all different tools, technologies. I still like to do that. And now here I am, uh, you know, responsible for building analytic uh, insights, you know, mining the data, understanding uh, uh, things, uh, uh, understanding, you know, things, what's going on. Uh, what's beneath that and also to process mine and, uh, uh, you know, build automation on top of it. That's great. Uh, how often do you get to get your hands dirty these days? Uh, usually when, you know, people face problems, you know, and we need to fix those problems, then I get into those projects and, you know, try to yeah. help them. Uh, but yeah, other things also, you know, keep me busy. Yeah. Yeah. Someone has to manage things, I guess, right? That's good. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, this this podcast is all about um, centers of excellence, centers of enablement for automation and analytics. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your experience and how CD, COEs are sort of set up, how they're structured. What have you seen out there in the marketplace in your career? Uh, yeah, so COE is, uh, you know, it's a it's a way to embed and implement RPA, you know, deeply and effectively into an organization. That is how I see in COE, uh, because that's that's a very central part of any organization, and it really helps you to, you know, perform many functions. Say, for example, you want to uh, uh, implement a process mining, you want to go deep into that. You would have people from diverse backgrounds uh, implementing things, you know, bringing in diverse viewpoints, different technologies. Uh, say you would want to have an infrastructure setup. Now, which tools to use, which technologies to use, uh, what kind of benefits your automation will bring in. Uh, and I guess most importantly, you know, enforcement of even standards uh, that you would want all your teams or all your developers to follow, say, you know, what kind of a source code, uh, what kind of, uh, you know, coding standards or what kind of uh, design framework you should have. Uh, so I guess, you know, to enable or to implement those things, the COE plays a very, very important role. Otherwise, it's more like, you know, uh, different teams are scattered uh, and then not really able to bring in the actual value uh, to your clients. Yeah, it, 
it can end up being one of those things where a lot of different people own it and that means nobody actually owns it so that the center of excellence sort of um you know stands uh as the bastion for those things um you mentioned an interesting one which is this actually there were two things i wanted to point out you mentioned uh sort of just standards and then technology choices so for those two things which voices are involved in those conversations as you're making those decisions? Uh, different set of people, I would say, uh, you know, uh, and I feel, you know, we should get diverse views. So first and foremost, definitely, you know, those technology experts, say architect or designers uh, uh, belonging, you know, that area, uh, uh, which should at least draft the initial versions. Uh, mm -hmm. Then uh, uh, we do, you know, say part of uh, kind of in captive organizations, we do interact with external uh, uh, consultants or external vendors also. We would want to know, you know, what our peer groups are doing, uh, what are the standards available in the market, you know, how are we competitive to those standards. So say, uh, you know, in that case, you would uh, interact with different consulting organizations. And then... Uh, 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 then maybe some role, uh, you know, uh, organizations which build those platforms also play a great role in that. So, for example, you would have Blue Prism, you would have Pega, right? So those primary technology companies also have a set of standards they, which they would want their clients to follow uh, or, you know, they would prefer at least. So I guess, you know, uh, we, we, we try to take inputs from all these uh, organizations, our own uh, consulting and the product organizations. Yeah. So that the center of excellence, especially for automation analytics, is a relatively new thing in the world. Um, really, I would say it's kind of started to crystallize in the last five years. How consistent is that advice you're getting from like consultants, vendors, uh, other professionals that you network with? Is it is it still sort of scattered or is it starting to to sort of centralize around a few things? Uh, no, this is a great point, uh, you know, that how would you trust or how would you go with? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... I didn't want to ask it exactly that way, but yeah, yeah. How do you make those decisions? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, see, uh, we have, as I, as I mentioned earlier, that we have, you know, a standard set of tool within organizations, you know, we, we call them as architecture groups, uh, where our own architects, uh, you know, sit there, and then there are divisions like, say, governance, uh, yep. uh, you know, bodies. So we take uh, all views, you know, we listen to all, and, but at the end of the day, you know, we validate, we, we, try to follow uh, more like a prototype model say you know we okay. would not go and uh, fix some uh, guidelines on everybody we would test it we would build some small pocs prototype see you know how it is working uh, if those standards make sense and obviously you know say for 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 older technologies say java.net where you have that kind of a background things are already defined yeah yeah, that's a good point. Okay. So uh, I guess I would summarize that by saying you listen to all and then figure out what works for you and the organization and the people. Right? Yeah. I think that's I think that's wise counsel. Um, so let's let's uh, let's transition a little bit to um, what it is you're 
you know, you can make this specific to you and what your team's working on, or you can make it more general and talk about, you know, what it, as an industry, the automation industry, the robotics industry, the analytics industry, what are people working on today? And how is that different from, you know, even just a few years ago? Uh, my view is, uh, you know, as, as an overall industry, uh, as organization, I guess, uh, you know, uh, companies or organization have matured at least by, you know, five or 10 points in last five, five years or so. So say, for example, when we started our journey, uh, or I see many organizations, you know, about four years or five years back, that point in time, people were focused primarily on uh, uh, task automation, uh, right? Mm -hmm. You would want to automate specific tasks. You may want to give some tools to your employees uh, for them to run. Uh, from that point, I see now organizations are moving towards, you know, process uh, automation. Uh, uh, maybe everybody might have, uh, you know, used their low-hanging fruits, and now they are actually focusing more towards end-to-end -to -end automation. Uh, and in our overall current, uh, you know, exposure also, I see more of now AI or problems like unstructured data. Uh, now, these are the things which uh, which we could not, you know, solve in prior years, or I would say, you know, we we kept it unsolved and now we're trying to solve those things to make or to automate the complete process, you know, from scratch. to Yeah. Okay. So the low hanging fruit's gone. So you got to climb up a little bit higher on the tree. Uh, I want to, I'm going to come back. I'll circle back to the AI and the unstructured because we want to get to that, but I'm guessing that someone who's going to listen to this podcast is reaching that point where they've just about got all of the low hanging fruit. And so things are about to change for them in their role leading a COE. What advice would you give to someone who's making that transition from sort of desktop task automation to full-blown process automation? Uh, my advice would be in that case, you know, I would say uh, maybe if you can skip that low-hanging fruit because of availability of, you know, new tools of process mining and right, the technology has advanced. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you directly rather focus on end-to-end -end process understanding and see, you know, where are your process inefficiencies are uh, and then build a solution, right? Because in, in a longer term, I see those solutions will, you know, give you better results. Uh, you know, it'll improve your client experience. And one more issue it will avoid, that's, uh, that's creation of a technical debt, right? That, yeah. That's the last thing you would want to do. Uh, you know, create yeah. an automation and then scrap and, you know, build something new. So if somebody can do that, uh, that's going to be great. Yeah, that's interesting. I The advice to um, not be tempted by the low-hanging fruit and to go right for the stuff that really has high impact um, is interesting. I I haven't heard that advice, but I, I, think, I think there's some wisdom to it. it the fact that you have like processes running on someone's desktop that they want to automate sort of tells you that there's something inefficient or broken about the way that you're working, right? That's right, yeah. that's right. Uh, see, the thing is low hanging fruits always help you to convince the largest stakeholders to start automation, you know? So yeah. I can say that's also, you know, a play a pivotal role, but in case you have any organization which is, 
quite matured in case you know they are they understand all those technologies or they coe understand different technologies tools toolboxes uh, you know things available maybe they may able to start uh, at a at a higher level right you are increasing the benchmark so yeah. it depends really you know at which place that current organization is yeah okay so if you're still trying to prove out the viability of the coe then pick all the low hanging fruit but if if you if you've got a mature organization with big processes to automate go right for those that's what you're saying i think yeah because nobody yeah. would 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 put his or her money right yeah. like million dollars for you to automate and you don't know whether that project will be a success or failure yeah yeah that's right good um now i want to give you a chance to you know just kind of brag a little bit and you can make this as general and abstract as you want it can be about something going on now or something in the past but talk to me about an automation or analytics project that uh, you were involved in or you led that uh, really had an impact on an organization and uh, really forced you to solve some interesting problems uh, okay <laughs> well i'll not brag i'll you know take, <laughs> <laughs> take a quite uh, you know practical example maybe uh, uh, uh say uh, talking about maybe you know insurance sector so being you know coming from an insurance landscape so insurance also right uh, it's it's uh, it's it's quite a traditional sector right yep. and you would have a lot of uh, papers involved in it uh and the best use case anybody would want to have is to have a you know straight through processing involved or yep. have uh, uh, have have a setup where if you can understand what is coming out from those documents you would have say doctor prescriptions you would have medical transcripts you would have uh, say you know images now uh, so there was one project you know where we actually uh, uh, try to automate was on this area itself wherein we were actually getting you know a lot of emails uh, now an email would uh, tell you that i would want to uh, you know uh, say if you are in uh, you're in client for me right so and you would want to have your spouse added in your insurance policy or you yeah. would want to have, you know some kind of a change so what simply you would do is you would call a service desk or you would send them an email now a typical process would take you know good amount of time because your executive will understand those emails somebody would need to read it or a person who is listening on a phone would take mm. a notes or you know, process something so typical organization will have multiple processes or multiple tools in between before it actually reaches to the final point where you know you would process that request not in a typical scenario this would lead to a poor client experience or if if i would not say poor maybe you know not so good because it takes time you would have your request completed after two years sorry two days three days or maybe a week or so yeah so we try to you know understand this that okay where exactly our process inefficiencies were which tools or technologies which were there in this complete life cycle were actually putting you know any value uh, do we really need to change our platform or do we need to you know give automation to those executives who are listening to you know phone calls or people uh, or if we can build something which can read uh, those emails and at least trigger the next process so uh, so in this example you know we try to uh, uh, put up a multi point solution uh, you know a solution which is given 
as an attended bots to our you know call center folks uh, which will help them to you know navigate all our internal platforms or tools uh, and trigger an automation and then automation will help to you know file a case give it to the relevant team to validate the information and then process it we also try to implement uh, you know a text based solution on the emails which we were getting yeah uh, uh, right and classify those emails where you would want to have change in your policies or say change in your you know in, in your request and uh, try to automate uh, those things as an unattended say bot because those because email can come in any any time of your day and you really don't need person just to you know scan it and then there are going to be some emails or there were there were some emails which a bot cannot process so we will give those you know exception cases to the actual uh, executive or you know the help desk uh, executive to process it yep so uh, you know so this this way we really were able to you know shorten our time uh, uh, and uh, our clients were happy right earlier uh, we were turning turning out the request in many days now you know it just takes a day or two for us to process it and then you know uh, deliver back uh, the output yeah okay that's a that's a big project um just going to play back to you a few things i heard one uh you spent time up front trying to understand the full process end to end right and i imagine that produced some artifacts schematics diagrams um just documentation right of what the process is today is that right yeah that's right and uh, you know one thing i can also specify here in in this particular process you know there are multiple teams which get involved you know it is not really your automation team you would have you know actual your business users your operations many organizations follow that lean uh, you know lean consulting yep. uh, people who comes with you know six sigma black belt they are typically good with uh, process understandings uh, so it's a club of you know all those individuals uh, coming together and at least at least for the first phase where you actually uh, uh, you know try to understand the process and because it is important that business should be involved at the day one not really like okay, i understood and you know delivering something at, at a later stage yeah absolutely okay so get the process documented and then i i think i heard you say instead of being one massive automation this is several sort of smaller some attended automations some unattended you're so you know surgically putting the automation where it belongs in the process is that right that's right and it was also you know step by step it was not really like that we started all this project at a, at the same point right so we identified the process we you know figured out where the inefficiencies lies then we took the first project only or you know first part of it build that product also in a agile fashion you know uh, iteration by iteration uh, giving something to business once okay we have delivered that you know let business run that project or run that bot now you know let them run the attended version first you know see how it yeah. behaves because that build their confidence in us that okay you know the clients uh, the actual agents you know uh, they are liking the product they are liking the bot because your there's one challenge which i typically see happen with many organization or many teams is that is a challenge that you adaptability you know you build yeah. fancy automations right then people don't want to use it yeah so uh, you know and it safeguards us as well right so let them build let them use it once they have used uh, so when, when they 
uh, once they have used it for a while, uh, they liked it. And then, you know, we go towards the second part of inefficiency and try to fix that. Uh, but we have definitely a big picture in our mind when we start doing that. Okay, you know, how different pieces will tie together once uh, the complete project will end. Great. Um, you mentioned a point which I always love to I always love to emphasize, which is you're asking people, this is analogy, right? You're asking people to go from their 15-year-old Honda Civic to a fully self-driving electric car. Maybe let them like, you know, get behind the wheel first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it changes hard. Changes hard. And it's it's hard for, you know, I think all humans, but uh especially business process change is difficult. Um, so let me ask you this, then you talked about the clients were much happier and you talked about the business was involved from the beginning, super important. Um, the agents and the, you know, the account executives that are actually working on these cases that come through after, after you go through the process and you sort of give them a chance to step into it and, and get used to it, what happened with their sort of job satisfaction? Um, you know, what, what were the reviews from the people that are now doing the work with the help of the robots? Mm. <laughs> uh, I would go back to, you know, your point, which you mentioned. So it takes time for change, you know, for people to adapt the change. Yeah. Uh, uh, so there is a good effort which is involved first, you know, for training those folks, right? You will have an apprehension. Uh, but one thing which really helped us uh, in this in this stuff was, you know, our way of working, or I would say, you know, that agile way of working. Yeah. Because when you build prototypes, you know, business would seize few things or at least something at each stage, right? They will have something to test uh, at every two weeks or every week, you know, when we're going to give them products. So by following this, you know, we have seen very, very less uh, apprehensions or, you know, uh, a surprise factor. Uh, in terms okay. of business, eyes that oh, you know what what exactly you have built, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so because they have seen it, they have tested it. At least I would not say if you know complete business, but say if you have hundred users, you would have at least ten users part of that journey. Yeah. Uh, now those ten users who have tested your product for say next uh, previous three months, every uh, every single day, every third day, you know every few weeks then those 10 individuals will become your brand ambassadors. Ah, yes. Right? To convince your 90 users yep. that you need to use it. So I think, you know, that, that started your, you know, uh, using a pilot users involved with, with the, while you're building your stuff, while you're building your automations, and then, you know, they will drive your uh, adaptability. Yeah, no, that that's great. They, there's there's a lot of uh, conversation out there on LinkedIn and elsewhere about automation, and I think we often forget that like people are they're still involved and they're going to be involved. And that process you identified right there of taking you know ten sort of uh, laboratory test subject and turning them into people that are gonna you know talk about the good news to the rest of the organizations that this can make the job better and it can make the client experience better. That that's just absolutely critical, and it it's a great process to build into your your COE. And you know, I see as such also that users will also get an opportunity to work on most complex tasks, right? So they also get to avoid those very simple tasks which they were used to do, right? So 
it's a win-win situation for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If you spend your whole day doing mindless stuff, right? You only have so much mental energy and that would be better spent on the stuff that you need human mental energy for. Good. Well, you brought it up a little while ago and I'm going to circle back to it now. So let's, let's talk a little bit about unstructured data. Um, and let's, not everyone here, you know, listening has, has tried to tackle unstructured data in the past. So why don't we start? I'll just ask you, what does unstructured data mean to you? Uh, unstructured data I see everywhere, right? Uh, for me, it's, it's very simple, right? All images, videos, voice, uh, you know, social media footprints, charts, yeah. voice transcripts, right? You know, everything, right? Everything uh, which is probably not in a relational format, you know, those typical RDBMS uh, definition. Uh, yeah. Everything is, right, unstructured. Yeah, every, everything is unstructured, basically. If it's anything interesting, I mean, you, you, the, the use case you mentioned, right, was email, right, which is maybe in a lot of ways the most unstructured because people can put whatever they want into an email body. Um, and I, I like the framing. Basically, if it can't fit into a relational database, then it's probably unstructured. That's a nice heuristic for people to carry around in their heads. Um, you talked a little bit about your experience with unstructured um, in one particular use case. Do you see that? Do you see unstructured as sort of the next big horizon for the automation center of excellence or the analytics center of excellence, or is it still early days? No, no, absolutely. Uh, I think the time has come. Uh, uh, business really want uh, to have end-to-end automations. And I'm very sure, you know, when anybody or any organization, be it you pick up any industry, you're going to, uh, you're going to try to automate end-to-end process uh, you will going to get unstructured data in between, yeah. be it will be images or voice, right? Some other way you will face that. And if you really want to enhance your client experience, you would need to solve that problem. Yeah. So the time has come. I, I don't, you know, it, I don't see that as a futuristic thing. Yes. Yeah. Very much in present. All right. You heard it here, folks. The time has come for unstructured data automation. Manisha Aurora. Um, yeah. Good. I, th- I think you're right. I, I back to your comments about low hanging fruit and and seeing the whole process and trying to automate the whole process. There are very few processes which drive business value that don't have some form of unstructured data somewhere along the way um, as a key component. So, thinking back to the early days where you were just doing sort of task automation, you know, robotically clicking through web forms or filling out data. Thinking of that, which is, you know, at this point, the very simple stuff, what are the unique challenges that present themselves when you're trying to automate a process that involves unstructured data? Uh, see, the biggest challenge which I see as of this state is of accuracy. Now, if I compare that challenge with a challenge four years back, that point in time, it was maybe unavailability of right tools and technologies or, you know, organizations who can solve those challenges. So accuracy is a major issue, right? You, If you really would not want to have your process automated by some technology, which will give you say accuracy of 50%, 60%, right? You, because in that case, you would spend good amount of time in processing the other part. And then uh, you may need good amount of time to validate 
what has been processed earlier. Uh, so accuracy is the main thing. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, as I said earlier, it was a case you were very, you had very few organizations, or you know, uh, say boutique players like your organization, uh, which specifically work on this particular problem statement. So I don't remember, you know, many organization trying to solve unstructured data problems, say six years back or eight years back. Uh, so luckily, you know, now we have, uh, I think, you know, good amount of uh, uh, technologies available and, you know, uh, different organizations available. So yeah. probably, you know, we want to solve that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, interesting point. Six or eight years ago, the organizations solving unstructured were, you know, they were really the big research labs at Google and Facebook and wherever else, right? And now those technologies, at least a couple, a generation back have been open sourced and there there are lots of products built on top of them. Um, so it, the, the tools are no longer the excuse, I guess. Uh, Circling back to that conversation about accuracy, that's one that we we have that conversation a lot, obviously, as anyone working with unstructured data does. So I want to frame it this way. The end-to-end -end process, you know, before, you know, document comes in and eventually it has to, key details have to end up in a database. That end-to-end -end process, you really need to be 100% accurate, right? So how do you decide like, how do you set the benchmark for the tools in between that are taking part of that job? You said 50 to 60% is not enough. You know, does it have to be 99? How do you, how do you decide where to stop in terms of accuracy to get enough value out of something like that? Well, this one, I, I would not say, say, you know, 99%, I think that'll be too insane to ask for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would put, you know, things about say 85%, 85 to 90. Uh, 92. I think that's a good number to have. And then that, I would say, it also depends on a use case to use case. Uh, what kind of, you know, use case we have. Uh, if if you want to have, uh, uh, you know, say, if I, if I give an example of medical transcript, right, you will have yeah. medical transcription, right, medicines written over it, uh, versus where you would have a claim amount written on your uh, uh, right receipt. So you may manage with the first one uh, you know bit of a lower accuracy but you would want to have a very high accuracy in the later stage uh, you know where you're processing say your claims uh, then versus if i if i change the use case to say social media for some different industry where you are you know mining data from uh, you know, social media platform then you even would have a challenge first you know Accuracy is a different matter, but you would even have a challenge that what exactly you would want to have or what exactly you, you would mm -hmm. even want to store. Uh, you know, and then you have different challenges like PAA, uh, right? And, yeah. You know, and those sensitive things are there. So uh, uh, I think that's that's what, you know, drives uh, the use case or, or the technologies we would want to pick up. Yeah, absolutely. Have on a related note, have you seen use cases where, you know, the automation, whatever it's built out of AI rules, whatever, where it gets to 99% accuracy, but it's still so business critical that there's there, you're always going to have a pair of human eyes, a pair of human eyes reviewing before it, it goes to a downstream process. Uh, yes, at least in my experience, I always seen, you know, at least some pair of human eyes, at least uh, if not 
say 100% of the cases, but either as a random samples, uh, right, where you would randomly uh, validate few cases, okay, whether we are measuring, so it's about, you know, calculating your false positive or your, you know, uh, uh, you know, false negatives, whether, where exactly you're training. So then you would have a trade-off between which will exactly lead to losses or which will exactly yeah. lead to say poor client experience and then yeah. you know you will take your call yeah yeah excellent point i i uh i repeatedly tell well i tell anyone that will listen but a lot of our clients like accuracy in a, in and of itself isn't very meaningful because you it doesn't have any units you can't convert it to dollars or time saved but that distinction you just made between are we willing to live with false positives, which create one kind of work for us, or false negatives, which create a different kind of work or risk? That's that nuance is is really important, and I hope everyone listening writes that down because uh, that's that's where you really decide like is the process working or not. Um, that's great. I appreciate that a lot. Um, good. So we've talked about what unstructured is, what some of the challenges are. Um, you made the point earlier that basically everything is unstructured data. So given all of the things that you could be working on in the unstructured space, how do you decide which projects are the right ones to take on at a given moment? Uh, well, that is driven through one of the major uh, uh, thing will be client experience. Uh, okay. We should pick up the channel, which, uh, which would have maximum impact on client experience, uh, say I may want to pick up things related to voice first, comparative to interesting so, you know, text okay. because somebody is listening to you and it's he or she is on the call. I may want to solve that problem first. Uh, then there are secondary cases uh, where I would say you know uh, first is the process maturity, where exactly that particular problem fit fits in whether by solving that particular issue will my complete process will be automated uh, you know because that will also Im improve my client experience and third i may want to look at my profitability also you know versus my cost in building that yeah. uh, what will be my payback period uh, i don't really prefer to pick up you know a 3 year or 5 year project uh, and you know, with a payback of again uh, or another three years, yeah. I may want to have you know uh, a process which which is cheaper to build, faster to build, and can give ROI in a shorter time frame. So that use case I will I pick. Yeah, all all the chief financial officers listening out there just cheered. You know, looking for that sub one year payback for anything. Yeah. Um. I want to I want to circle back to something we talked about earlier, which is, you know, you talked about listening to a lot of voices and deciding which tools and practices. Um, when it comes specifically to unstructured, as you're talking to consulting firms and peers and vendors out there, how do you feel the maturity is in terms of best practice, you know, tooling um, and the advice that you're getting in the unstructured space? Uh, I see that's nearly at a starting level i would not say at a mature level uh, the advice which we get 
towards uh, on a structured automation or you know process mining process automation that is quite matured but this i may say early to mid level uh, uh, and uh, yeah and i don't blame them because you know the way things are moving the way data yeah. is changing right so i think uh, people may take some time to standardize that yeah absolutely what 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 are the specific areas where you would say um there the, there's the most friction or the most noise in terms of working with unstructured data right now uh maybe images okay i think that's uh, that's a most difficult uh, area at least which i have seen up till now uh, because of you know there is a lot of ambiguity the way you would write or i would write uh, english language and specifically for organizations which operate in you know different geographies other than say north america be it europe or the pacific uh, you would have regional right uh, regional languages so that's i think uh, it's it's a difficult nut maybe a lot of organizations are trying to solve that uh, i expect you know that is what maybe google or microsoft of the world might be processing or you know training their engines uh, yeah all that yeah absolutely okay but I so you know what your experience on this one uh, my experience on this one um wow that's a that's a power move right there taking over the interviewer's chair i love it uh my experience is that um so here's here's what i've seen in my journey the last 5 or, or 10 years uh, working in the enterprise so RPA comes onto the scene, right? And RPA is very successful, grows extremely rapidly in the last decade and sort of dominates the marketplace. And so, um, you know, you can get to straight through processing on some of that task automation and you can get to really high accuracies on task automation. Um, and, and that has led to the market being saturated by you know, people talking about, oh, 99% or 100% accurate. Um, and by the way, you can do it with your documents too, or your or your images or, or your audio. And the truth is, um, here's, here's where I think the market lacks maturity. Those processes with unstructured data, they require intelligence. That's why we have human beings doing them today. Because when you look at a document and I look at a document, the the same the same data field might occur in five different spots but one of them's the right one or maybe two of them are actually the right one and you and i are going to pick different ones right and that noise in the intelligence is an inherent like you know it's an inherent obstacle to straight through processing so having the maturity to realize that your humans are are central to the process today and they're going to stay central to the process tomorrow, but they're going to get a lot of help from the AI and and not just the AI, but like good tools for them to work with that weren't, you know, written as a console application in 2005. Right. Um, so maturity in terms of tooling, maturity in terms of understanding that like your process has inherent ambiguity in it and. Um, and ultimately accuracy is not the, the number that drives your return on investment it's it's really how efficient and effective are your human workers because they're you know 
despite Tesla's claims that we're going to all be riding around like the Jetsons, we're not there yet and we're not going to be for a while. So that that's where I see a lack of maturity is just understanding what the tools can do and thinking about them in the right way um, as a partnership with, with your human knowledge workers. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's my two cents. Um, now, something we haven't talked about is, um, and actually, it's a, again, it's a good segue from task automation to process automation. You automate it, right? You automate something. And like that email case you talked about, it, it had you know, a bunch of bots, a bunch of new tech that creates um, organizational overhead. Someone has to, there has to be oversight of those things. Um, so given that, when it comes to unstructured data and automating processes that involve unstructured data, what are the unique sort of, um, costs or process controls or governance checks that you have to put in place uh, to manage something like that that involves unstructured data? Uh, uh, it depends on, again, you know, on the use case to use case or which kind of unstructured data we are trying to mine. Uh, things which are, you know, coming to us or uh, which is, things which are coming to us through, through traditional routes uh, as I said, you know, medical transcripts or, you know, people calling us and, you know, uh, asking for help. Uh, there, we have more control on, you know, who can see the data, uh, you know, how we can process that. Uh, uh, because you, you would have, uh, uh, you know, a standard uh, pipeline. But if I compare that with somebody reaching out to you on Twitter, uh, somebody is commenting you Facebook, yeah. uh, right? Uh, there, you would need to have strong controls that how, uh, you know, who or how you can process or who can see that data. Uh, yeah. So there is uh, very strong guidelines, uh, you know, defined by the organizations. Uh, at least I see that in, I see in majority of organizations, right? Uh, where they have a governing council, they have mm. a security council in place where before you can actually mine or you can you know, process a data, you would need to go to those councils and put your use case that you know, this is the data which we are getting, huh. uh, how we're going to process it, you know, how we're going to say anonymize, how I'm going to handle my uh, you know, PIA information. Yeah. Uh, and then there are standards defined for that, that you need to follow. And you know, and then there are different country specific rules, different geography specific rules, you know, which you need to follow. Uh, uh, so I think that that's a big work, uh, you know. And at least in my experience, I've seen specific councils uh, take that. Uh, but yes, I see there is one challenge in their work also because uh, you would have a new set of uh, right data or new set of use case coming in every few days. So yeah. they also need to, you know, adapt. So that is where, as a COEs, we also try to help them. You know, uh, when we try to explain our business cases, that you know, this is what we are getting, and yeah. this is how we're going to store it. Uh, and these are the controls. So then, uh, you know, we, we take it forward. Yeah, that's that the um, the sort of data and security council framework. I really like. I I hadn't heard that one before. Uh, that's really interesting. Do you? As you're trying to build out cases to take to these councils, do you find yourself, how do I ask this question? 
one of the, one of the one of the tricky parts about unstructured data is you don't know what's in it until you actually look at it, right? And so, do you find yourself building out a lot of tools to to do you know analytics on unstructured data to help make that business case, or do you find your do you, do you have to build that new every time you're faced with a new data set? Uh, again, you know, I I I would go back to the model of you know POCs here. Uh, okay. Uh, right. You would you would take some part of data. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, you would have some human right who would see that data, uh, will process, but definitely you would only give that opportunity or you know permission to those individuals who have right to you know watch that. So yeah. if you have any right geography time geography boundaries or you have any you know other kind of boundaries, so you would definitely first subset those kind of individual which can at least process it or you know get that data. Yep. And then, you know, as a second point, you would, uh, you know, give that raw data also to your councils and, uh, right, that this is what, uh, you know, we have uh, sourced out and then a kind of a pilot on it to okay. take it to that council because you, because I think that's a duty of a COE also to help those security council members to understand how we are getting that data, how we're going to process it. Because they don't know, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, right. Some someday, say if 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 an upcoming use case, you may mine something or you know bring data out of a blockchain. Now you really don't have any controls over that, right? Yeah. That technology, not yeah. even mind, right? So I think they're also you know going back to the old point of how COE contributes. So COE also contributes in you know uh, bringing that education or bringing that maturity. Uh, two yeah. different you know stakeholders like this governing councils and then uh, you know they approve or deny your cases yeah i like that partnership so the security and the compliance you know they they want to know are these things in here which are risky for us right and so the ceo's the coe's role is to really expose those things and bring best practice to working with data like that so that that question could get answered I like that. I like that partnership a lot. Uh, let's see. We're coming up on the bottom of the hour, so I want to switch to uh, you know looking towards the future. Um, you talked a little bit already about the challenges for today. Now is the time to pounce on unstructured data. What do you? What do you? If I if we do this podcast again in a couple of years, what challenge do you think we'll be facing as like the next big challenge a few years from now? Mm, that's a good question. What kind of challenges will be facing? Uh, uh, and that that counts as an invite to come back to the podcast in a couple of years too. So, I would love to come back. Uh, I uh, I see maybe you know we should be able to solve our uh, you know basics of unstructured data problem. I could see you know we could be uh, we could have. Mm, or maybe I can say, you know, we, we will be able to solve problems in silos, you know, okay. say uh, solving maybe a voice problem, solving a text problem, uh, but may, we may lack in solving my end-to-end, -end, uh, you know, end-to-end uh, -end journey uh, because there is one issue which I see now and which may still be present in the future is what to do with the existing technology landscape 
in you know mm. mature organization or old organizations uh, i see startups you know smaller organizations which are just new to any sector yeah. you know they may be far ahead in the curve you know they might solve things related to you know uh, you know they they may start working on blockchain or you know uh, maybe newer uh, stuff uh, maybe elevating client experience through metaverse uh, you know given that ai or vr uh, you know flavor because that will increase your or you know improve your client experience to very high level but i see maybe you know organization or mature organizations or you know older organization may need to fix all those old technologies from you know from their bucket yeah. before they can latch those things so uh, so you know i think different organizations will be at at a different place uh, uh, at a, at a future future yeah year. well that's interesting i so i i think what you're saying is because it's kind of a fragmented space in terms of technology and you know vendors and consultants that in in the future we might have accumulated quite a bit of tech debt uh as we've you know brought in a bunch of different tools and a bunch of different homemade processes to solve problems in silos so piggybacking on that are you thinking that now is a good time to try to start building solutions that aren't siloed in the unstructured space or is it too soon no i think we should start you know uh, okay because uh, you know as i said earlier because we have those technologies in place right we have organizations like yours organization here uh, right uh, so we have i see you know the talent is available uh, there are a lot of uh, a lot of work has been done by companies like right microsoft aws you yep. have connectors available uh then you know there is a lot of interest in academics as well right yep. where people are trying to solve this and also as you mentioned right we have already solved the problem of typical you know structured uh, stuff and if we really need to bring value to the business so we need to solve that so yeah. and you know, even and you rightly mentioned right in order to avoid that technical debt which will come after a few years it's better to spend maybe more time and you know solve thing uh, at least you know organization which are bit mature who yeah. who have already uh, you know used their low hanging fruits to uh, start the journey now uh, on unstructured yeah. yeah great yeah start the journey towards maturity and unstructured today i love it this should be marketing for indico honestly um, all right so two more questions one uh and these ones are a little bit more controversial um there's data out there that suggests that something like as little as one in five to as bad as like one in ten ai or automation initiatives are successful so at maybe 20%, probably more like 10%. Why do you think those initiatives fail in the enterprise? Maybe we expect a lot or maybe we, we make those initiatives very costly uh, to fail. Uh, I believe we, we should, you know, try, we should fail fast and fail cheap. Uh, no, okay. I don't think you can ever build a solution or ever build a platform which will be 100% perfect. 
uh, it's not humanly possible uh, so it is better you know you fail fast you learn your mistakes and then you know move move to a different uh, you know different solution so yeah. rather than uh, you know i would not want to make that you know very blanket statement which people think that you know one out of 10 is unsuccessful so stop doing it yeah uh, right because in that case you will uh, you will stop innovating right you will always yep. go with a safer route uh, but i will not do it you know i will go uh, on a safe path yeah there you go yeah it's funny i was i was talking with someone the other day about the james webb telescope that was just launched a little while back and um something like 350 individual points of failure which they all had to go right for this thing to get to space and um we were talking about you know why can't enterprise automation follow this path and as you know their budget was like 5 billion dollars that's why <laughs> if you have 5 billion dollars and the best engineers in the world you you ought to be able to do it we have to make do with a little less in the enterprise i guess yeah. um last question uh for the for the new coe leader mm -hmm. out there and then same question for the mature coe leader out there that's listening best piece of advice you could give to those two personalities uh always uh, involve uh business with you while you try to solve a problem you know don't yep. try to solve a problem in, in the silos i think the more feedback you will get the more more folks you will interact with the more folks you will tell your solution your options they want to like it and you know they will give you brilliant suggestions yeah uh, right that's what i i feel you know that's common for any uh, for every uh, ceo uh, Uh, center of excellence and second uh, i would say we discussed that point right that uh, we should see uh, you know end to end process uh, including mm -hmm. both structured and unstructured uh, you may able to you know build a better solution with very less technical debt yeah absolutely well punish it's been an absolute ple pleasure i hope we get to talk again in a few years about the next stage of the future No, absolutely you know it, it was pleasure you know interacting with you chris uh, as i said you know uh, i i also learned a lot from Good. you same well thank you for listening to another episode of unstructured unlocked my guest today has been unisha rora and it's been an absolute pressure uh, absolute pleasure enjoy all the automation out there minish we'll see you again down the road thank you thanks for joining us for this episode of unstructured unlocked You can find all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts today. Spotify, Apple, everywhere. Be sure to follow at Indico Data on Twitter and YouTube. Have a good day, Automator.